No. Let me rephrase that. It seems like there's always been storms in my life. But there's been times whenever I didn't know what to do about the storms. I didn't know where to go. I was just drifting in the dark. And I saw the old lighthouse. Because I had a mama that prayed for me. I had a daddy that prayed for me. And in later years after I'd got married and I walked away for a few years, I had a wife that prayed for me. So I'm thankful for the old lighthouse. Thankful that he shined it all around me. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set up on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Just praise Him for a minute as you're being seated. God, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you. You're so good, God. So great, so worthy. Appreciate you, God. Lord, help me. Help me, God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Brother, can you put that lighthouse up there? This all started back probably in 2012 or 2013. My wife and I went on vacation into. Georgia. We went to Tybee Island. And I got to go up in the Tybee Island lighthouse. And some of y'all may have been there. I see you shaking your head, yeah. This thing was started back in the 1700s and it was finally lit up in 18 something. It's uh, 144 feet high. And I like lighthouses, you know. I, that's, that's always been one of my things. I like lighthouses. But I had always wondered. Because in 1800, they didn't have electricity, and they didn't have LED bulbs, and they didn't have halogen. They didn't have any of that stuff. I knew all they had was some old coal oil lanterns, what we had. Kerosene, however you want to say it, lamps. So I wondered how in the world that they were able to make a light in the 1800s that they could see way out at sea. This lighthouse today, they say, you can see it for about 18 miles. So when I climbed up in there, my wife, she wasn't feeling well that day, and she said, it was hot, and she said, I'm not going up. I'm going to sit down here and wait on you. She said, I really don't want to go. So I climbed all the way up to the top, and I got to where I could see up underneath that light because I wanted to see how they'd done it. And whenever I got to where I could see, there were little pieces of prism or glass that was like a half of a wedge. One side was perfectly flat. 
But at one end of it, it was like quarter, three-eighths of an inch thick. I didn't have a measuring tape to measure it. The top of it looked like it was close to five-eighths to three-quarters of an inch thick. So it was kind of like a half of a wedge. And I got to looking, and they had them overlaid and laid around there. And I, okay, I can understand you used a magnifying glass, but I still want to know what kind of light's on the inside. So I kept looking around and, and twisting and turning till I could finally see up in there. Do you all want to know what was up in there? It was a little old bulb that looked like about a 100-watt bulb. I'm serious. Now, it was a clear one. It wasn't one of the frosters and the soft white, you know. It was clear, and it may have been a two or 300-watt. I'm not saying it, but... But it was about the size of the old 100-watt incandescent light bulbs. And I began to look at that, and I said, you know, there's got to be some pretty good magnification going on. Because I don't believe, and I may be wrong, and I've never tried it. Maybe you have. But I don't believe you can see a 100-watt light bulb for 18 miles. Even if it is 144 feet in the air. So there had to be some magnification that was going on. But also, in those days, they didn't have electricity. They meant they had them old coal oil enters. I'm going somewhere, y'all. Just hang with me. I'm laying, giving you a little info here. But they had to have a keeper to make sure that there was always a light shining in the old lighthouse. Because it just may be that somebody may be out there on a dark night with a storm raging, and they need, may need to know where the land's at, or they may need to know where the rocks are at so that their ship don't sail into the rocks. They're looking for safety in a port, and that light just might be what directs them and guides them into the safety of the port. So there's got to be a, a lighthouse keeper that's always tending to it, making sure to make sure that there is safety out there in the middle of this storm. Brother, would you put up Exodus? That intrigued me. Of course, I know I'm simple. I'm an old country boy. I'm simple. And simple things just amaze me sometimes, you know. But that you could take a piece of glass and just by the way that you shape it and form it around the light, that you can make that light shine for 18 miles? Exodus 27 and 20 says, And thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil, olive beaten for the light, to cause the lamp to burn always. To burn always. It ain't to go out. This is in the temple. He was talking to him, and he was telling him what to do in the temple. I don't want the light going out. Well, now, whenever I looked at that lighthouse, uh, and I began to see and understand uh, that that light had to burn all the time to be a safety, uh, to guide somebody into port. And then I began to look at him, and he said, I want you to bring me oil that's pure, uh, and I want that light to burn always. Uh, oh, Lord, it got a hope to me again to work on me. Uh, I began to think about it, uh, to run it back and forth. And sometimes i got to just sit down and ponder things. But he said, I want it to burn always. Go to that next scripture, brother. What is it, Psalms? But thou art holy, 
O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. You know, my folks, they, they didn't quote it quite like this. They just say God inhabits the praises of his people. So they tell me, they'd say, whenever you begin to conduct yourself in church in a way that you begin to praise him and lift him up, then he's going to inhabit those praises. And he's going to move in where you're praising and worshiping him and glorifying his name in the midst. But he said, I am the light of the world. So if he is the light of the world, which I truly believe, then if you begin to glorify and magnify him and he moves into your presence, then is not the glory of the light of God shining in our midst. And he said, I want it to shine always. I don't want it to go out. I want it made out of the pure. I went and looked and I was wondering how they got the pure now, I think mostly, and I don't know a lot about this, but I think mostly that they would tread up on the olives to get the oil out, but when you did that, you got pulp in there with it. But if you bruised, was what I read, the olive, then it would begin to seep. And the oil that come out of a bruised olive was pure because it didn't have any pulp in it. It hadn't been stomped on. It hadn't been mashed. It was pure oil. So if we... Mm, will be bruised in the midst of God and we begin to seek pure. We begin to magnify him and let that light shine through us. The lighthouse. The lighthouse. There has to be somebody to keep the lighthouse. And I was talking about a natural, physical lighthouse. I understand that. But just swap it over to the spiritual. There's got to be some keepers of the lighthouse. There's got to be somebody that's willing to conduct themselves in a way that God moves into the presence. Their presence of that light begins to shine. It begins to reflect so that those out gender can see what's going on in the house of God. Now, I was talking about the physical storms a while ago, but let me tell you, friend, there are storms that's on the horizon in the world that we live in today. If you don't believe me, you just go start to read the news and you listen to what's happening on the political scenes and around about us and what's taking place. There are storms that are brewing. There are folks that need to see the lighthouse. There are folks that need to see the light shining out into the storm where they're raging around about on the waves and the tempest and they don't know where they're going to survive the night or not. They don't know where to go. So they need to see a light that'll guide them into a safe port. And there's only one safe port. There's only one. There have been things that have happened and taken place in my life that I didn't comprehend at the time, but later things clarified, and I know they have you too. I don't remember exactly how long ago it was. My daughter or my wife could probably tell you the year. I remember the circumstances. I don't always remember the years. 
But my wife started having severe pain in her lower stomach. And she started going to doctors. This was probably back in 2010, 2011, somewhere along in there, I think. But she started going to doctors. And she went to a gynecologist. She went to a urologist. She went to a gastroenterologist. She went to just about every one of them that she could. And they told her, we can't find anything. There's nothing wrong that we can find. And yet, periodically, she would be folded up in a fetal position on the bed or on the couch in severe pain. She went through that for five years. And that's praying for God to heal her body. And the healing just never seemed to come. She went to the doctors. There's nothing wrong. We can't, we, there's nothing for us to fix because we can't find anything. We don't see a problem. We was in church, and I don't remember whether it was a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, but it was a night service. We was in church. And my wife told me, she said, I've got to go home. I am dying from the pain. So when we called in the vehicle, crawled in the vehicle and headed back towards Gina, I said, we ain't going home. I said, we're fixing to go to the emergency room. She said, there's no need. They won't find anything. And my wife, with almost tears in her voice, she said, just pray that the Lord will show them what's wrong so that they can take care of it. She said, we prayed for him to heal me, and he hasn't done it yet, so just pray that he'll show it to them. So that they can heal it, or they can take care of it. We began to pray, and we prayed all the way to Rapids General the emergency room. Rolled her in there in the back, and the doctor come out there in the emergency room, and he said, Ma'am, he said, we're fixing to do a sonogram. She said, Doc, it ain't no need. She said, I had one just about a month ago, and it didn't show anything. He said, I don't care. He said, we're going to do it anyway. So we're going to do a sonogram. They rolled her in the back, and a few minutes they rolled her back out. And he told me, he said, I know what's wrong with her. He said, she's got a hernia. And he said, whenever it opens up, it causes excruciating pain. But most of the time, it stays closed. If any of y'all know anything about the doctors over in Alexandria, it was Richard Norm that did the surgery. Richard Norm walked in there, and he looked at me, and he said, I have done hundreds and hundreds of hernia surgeries. He said the type of surgery, he had a long, big long name for it about yay long. Spelled about like he said spaghetti to me. But anyway, but he said, I do about three or four of these a year. He said, they're real rare. They're not coming at all. He said, but I have never in my entire time in the medical field seen a picture or a test that showed one of these. He said, it just doesn't happen. He said, just, you know, you just don't find them this way. There's no test that'll show it. There's no way to find it. But he said, but that is as clear as a bell when they run that sonogram. Now, I don't know why God didn't heal her. Maybe it would have been because we wouldn't know what was wrong. We'd say, we'd just say, well, thank you, Lord. We don't know what you've done, but we thank you for it. 
Well, when the doctor walked in there and he said, hmm, I can tell you because it's a miracle to even see it on the test. He said, it just doesn't happen. Then I had to say, God, you might have been doing it for this old boy. So that I know that I realize that you better believe that before it was all over with, Richard Norm was told, the reason why you see that is because we prayed for you to see that. We got a God that heard us he may not have heard us to heal it, but he heard us to let you see it. So Richard Norm, one time, I don't know if any other time, but one time he heard about the goodness of God and the mercy of God. You see, we let a lick, and I'm not patting us on the back. I'm giving God the glory and the praise, but we let a little light shine from the lighthouse one time in that man's life. And I'm sharing some things with you to that. Probably just should keep my mouth shut about most of it. But God gets the praise and the glory. I worked with a gentleman several years ago. And we got to be so-so friends, you know. We speak in acquaintance. I didn't go to his house. He didn't come to mine. We meet on the street. We stand there and talk. And one day, just out of the clear blue sky, it seemed like, and I won't tell you it was the Lord speaking to me, it was just like a thought went through my mind. A thought went through my mind, go invite Ben to church. I said, okay, I'll give him a call. And the thought went through my mind, no, don't call him, go to his house. Hmm. Yeah. I kind of dodged around, and some of y'all that's been here a while may have heard me tell this a few years ago. But I kind of dodged around it a little bit, you know, and finally it kind of slipped mine, and I, I went on, and I was good. And then all of a sudden, one day, that thought went through my mind again. Go invite Ben to church. Okay, I'll give him a call. No, don't call him. Go to his house. Well, me being me, I just dilly-dallied around, you know, and, and procrastinated. That's what my wife tells me I do is procrastinate. So I procrastinated till I finally eased by that one, you know, and I didn't have to go. I was in Sunday school one morning, and the thought went through my mind again. Go invite me into church. And I said, Lord, if that's, I was kind of like the old boy that, Listening in the night, you know, I said, God, if that's you, I'll tell you now. When I get home, I'll call Ben and invite him to church tonight. And that voice come back again and said, no, nah, don't call him. Go to his house. I said, well, you know, this is the third time. It looks like if I'm going to get rid of this, I'm just going to have to go to his house, whether I want to or not. So... My wife was working at Walmart that Sunday. I was by myself, so I loaded up, and I went to Ben's house. I walked up and knocked on the door, and Ben's a big guy. He's a little bit bigger than I am, and he's real soft-spoken. He said, come on in. I walked in there and sat down, and we talked for a few minutes, and I said, Ben, I said, just to be honest with you, I said, I just kind of felt led to come invite you to church, I reckon. 
And I said, I started to call you, but I just didn't, didn't, didn't feel like I needed to call you. I said, I felt like I needed to come to your house and invite you to church. Ben looked at Sandy, his wife, and Sandy looked back at Ben, and I said, mm-hmm. they didn't say anything for a few minutes. And I thought, Lord, whatever you got me into. Y'all been there. You know what I'm saying. You've been there. Soft spoken Ben, after he looked at Sandy for just a few minutes, he turned around and looked at me and he said, You know, he said, I've had people that I met in town and they talked for a few minutes. And he said, If whenever they turn around and start to walk off, he said, It was almost like it was an afterthought. He said, Then invite me to church. He said, But I've been praying here lately. Uh huh. You know where I'm going, don't you? He said, I've been praying lately that somebody would come into my house, sit down, and invite me to church. Yeah. I understood. I understood. But you better believe whenever I walked in there and I told Ben that, Ben saw the love and the magnificence of an almighty God that he would answer his prayer by sending somebody into his house and invite him to church while sitting on the couch in his living room. I'm talking about the lighthouse. I'm talking, I'm not anything special. As a matter of fact, I owe y'all an apology probably because I've stood back there in the corner a lot for a long time now and just kind of eased along. But there is a world that's dying that needs to see the light because of the storm that's raging. If you could only know how many people are taking antidepressants or the other medication, if you could only know that and realize there are people that need for God to step in to their lives, and touch them. They need to see the lighthouse. And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking it because I've had to take them. I'll be honest with you. It's not a proud moment in my life, but when I had that surgery back in 2012, as a matter of fact, Brother Boo Reeves was at Camp Ola. And I was standing back against the wall, and Brother Boo Reeves walked by me, and he said, Brother, he said, what's wrong? I said, Brother, I'm losing my mind. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, since I had that surgery, I said, man, I just, I can't deal with it. You know, something's going off haywire. Something's going awry. Something's not working like it should. Brother Bruce said, it's okay. We'll pray for you. You remember that, brother? And I'm being honest with y'all tonight. There's a scene My son called me one morning. I was down on my knees and on my elbows. Not on my hands, but on my elbows. And my head was between my elbows. Junior asked me, he said, Daddy? He said, what's wrong? 
said, son, I'm losing my mind. I am absolutely losing my mind. He said, all right, we'll pray. And I'm not saying it was because he prayed that morning, but with Brother B's prayers and his prayers and my wife's prayers and Ashley's prayers and all the rest of them were praying for me, I'm here to tell you that whenever I was down there with my head between my elbows, that it was like a cloud started lifting from the floor like fog. You've seen the fog when it gradually begins to lift up and you see it just, it was almost like the fog was lifting up. And as it got higher, it got brighter underneath the fog. And whenever it lifted up and it was gone, I have had no more problem with it. Now I tell you that to say this, I am magnifying the Lord. Now, they magnified the light in the lighthouse. If you went and looked up the definition of magnify, I wonder if I got to reading it. It's just kind of magnify. To cause to be held in greater esteem or respect. To increase in significance. To enlarge in fact or in appearance. Now, what all I've told you today, tonight, this evening, is to magnify him. To make him larger. We can't make him larger, but we can make him larger in appearance to those around that don't know him. We can make him larger to them and greater in significance because they don't know what they're looking for. There was an old elderly gentleman that I was raised up around. Brother Randall and Ashland, some of them were, were wrecked by Brother Spanky Wood, Brother Cleveland Taylor. Brother Cleveland Taylor was the most, uh, how would you say it, he, or let me just say it this way. He used the term a lot. And he would say, we are epistles read of all men. And he'd always add a little bit behind it and he'd say, and we are the only epistle that some of them will ever read. Now, in Second Corinthians, I believe it is, 6th chapter, remember the exact verse, but this word says something like this. It says, what? Know ye not that your body, and I'm not verbatim, so don't, don't, I'm just kind of ad-libbing here. But it said, but what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Lord? Now, if your body is a temple of the Lord, and he is the light, and he told him, he said, I want some pure oil so that the light don't go out. Then I just come on down. You know, logic ain't real big in the world we live in today. Logical things don't make sense anymore, but I'm still the old logic kind. So if my body is the temple of the Lord, and he is the light, and he said, I don't want the light to go out, but I want it to burn continuously, then those that are reading this old boy, are they seeing the light of God? Are they seeing the light of the Master? Are they seeing something from the old lighthouse that will direct them into a port where they can find safe harbor? 
Does that make sense? Does logic, my logic make sense? And I'm winding down. I'm fixing to shut up. My daddy made a comment years ago. There was a little fast dog around. A little squirrel dog, I think it probably was. But that little old feist was the world's worst. He'd get out there and he'd, beep, 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 you know, and he'd just carry on and carry, wouldn't shut up. You could holler at him and he wouldn't shut up. Just always a yipping, jet bouncing, you know, just trying to excite something. Daddy looked at me one day and he said, Son, he said, that little old feist dog is the only thing in the world I know that make a lazy cur dog catch the biggest hog in the country. He said, because he'll just keep on yipping and uh, yapping around there and excite that cur dog uh, until he gets that old cur dog so excited he'll jump on the hog. Now, the feist can't do nothing with the hog, but he'll excite the cur dog to where he can. Uh, now, I'm telling you today, uh, I believe that we need some spiritual cur dogs. Uh, we need some uh, that will excite the old prayer warriors, uh, that will shake them up uh, to where they're willing to catch the biggest devil in the church house and run him out the door where he belongs to be outside. Let the lighthouse shine. Put 2 Corinthians 3 and 2 up for me, brother. Just to show you a while ago what I was saying was your epistles written in our heart, known and read of all men. Now, if you follow the logic that I just went through a few moments ago, of our body being the temple, God being the light, us magnifying the light, I hope y'all picked up on all that. But us magnify that light of God to shine out, to show the goodness and the mercy, and the love of an almighty Savior, then if you follow that light, and I didn't title this up to now, but that was written on the deal back there, the keepers of the lighthouse. Are we not the keepers of the lighthouse? Are we not responsible for making sure that the light burns in those around about? That the beings can see their prayers answered. That the Richard Norms can understand why that the only time they've ever seen it was because that somebody prayed and asked God to let him see it. The Magruder sings a song said, see those clouds they're the ones he's coming back in. Let me tell you something. The clouds are gathering. The clouds are gathering. I know my mom told me she, several years ago, she said, when her and dad started to get married, she was going to church, and one of the older ladies in the church told her, she said, oh, honey, she said, it ain't no use in you getting married. said, the Lord's going to come back before you can get married and have kids. Well, next month I'll be 70 years old. 
So that was, they had been married a year or so before I was born, so that was 73 years ago, 72, 73 years ago. And he hadn't come yet. But that don't mean that he ain't coming because he hadn't come yet. Because, friend, the clouds are gathering. You could look into the skies and see the clouds are gathering. Now, whether I go out of here before he comes back or not is irrelevant. He's coming. He's coming. And I kind of believe he's looking for some keepers of the lighthouse. I believe, as one of them spoke, he said, I have run a good race. I fought a good fight. And I've kept the faith. Are we really keepers of the lighthouse? Are we really keepers of the lighthouse? Thank you for being so generous and listening to me this afternoon. I